0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Stick Together. I'm your host, James Brennan. I'd like to begin the show by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land that this show was created on, the land of the Kulin Nations. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and recognise that this land has never been ceded We live on the stolen lands of Aboriginal people across the continent always was always will be aboriginal land thank you for joining me for another episode of stick together stick together is a show focusing on union news and social justice issues and this show is produced with the support of the community broadcasting foundation Uh, their support allows us to put the show on and to be heard right across the country so thank you for your continued support in being able to bring the show to people on this episode of stick together we're talking with u.s radical folk singer david rovix david is an activist who uh, lives in portland but performs extensively across United States and Europe, writing uh, music about political issues, both current and historical. He's previously spent a lot of time in Australia touring and performing at trades halls, pubs, picket lines, radical spaces, and even writing quite a lot of songs about Australian history and issues. He's just returned uh, home from a tour across the east coast of the country, and I was lucky enough to speak with him while he was here and to catch him perform while he was in Melbourne. His latest album is called Killing the Messenger, a not-too-subtle message about Julian Assange. Now uh, we're going to hear an old song of his that's been reworked for this new album called Behind the Barricades followed by the interview with him. At the end of the show I'm going to play a second track of his album. It's the title track Killing the Messenger.
1: When the world has gone crazy and it's all becoming clear When they're gunning down our comrades and it seems the end is near As they're loading up the launchers for the tear gas grenades We can take off our bandanas and kiss behind the barricades. When it's madness all around, and you can see this at a glance, we will sing and we will cry, we will laugh and we will dance. As they shout their marching orders beneath the helicopter blades, we shall seize the moment for a kiss behind the barricades. They will try to break our spirit, and at times they may succeed, but our love for the world is stronger than their greed. When the building is surrounded and hope begins to fade, in my final hour, a kiss behind the barricades as the movement grows there will be hills and bends but at the center of the struggle are your lovers and your friends and the more we hold each other up the less we can be swayed here's the love and solidarity and a kiss behind the barricade
0: our guest today is US Radical Folk singer, David Rovik. Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's great to have you back in Australia. James, it's
2: great to be back.
0: Thank you. I've been lucky enough to see you perform a few times while you've been here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. Uh, obviously, um, you know I'll be at the Melbourne show Black Spark on Monday, 3rd of April, and you've got shows playing across the East Coast. Tell us about what your trip's been like so far since arriving back in the country. I know you've already done a couple of shows and got a few to go.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Had a wonderful show last night at the addison road community uh center or um yeah i think that's yeah a community organization a wonderful amazing place actually every city needs one like that yeah i, I which i'm surprised i'd never heard of it or been there before because uh been to sydney a number of times it's it's been great a lot of driving between uh, Brisbane and sydney but uh, nice uh, nice to visit to the other day my first time there beautiful town good to be back in the Sydney area staying in Bandina which is a little paradise near Sydney if anybody's in Sydney and hasn't been there I highly recommend the visit Take the ferry from Cronella.
0: and I uh, know this um, this tour is for your new album Killing the Messenger but I think from from my count, you've put out seven albums since the start of COVID is there something like yeah. about this time that's kind of really helped you to write and record music um, you know I think it's at times been quite difficult for artists to kind of find the inspiration to write during that time but you've been really prolific through the last couple of years
2: yes it's definitely really varied a lot for a lot of artists and i mean as have their general situations but my situation was i couldn't tour anymore and uh and i was stuck at home and i mean but not not unhappily stuck at home i, I have small children it's great to be spending all this time with them and i um i i found a lot to write about i mean there was so much going on during the pandemic despite the lack of gigs and tours there was a lot going on in terms of uh, protest movements in in the u.s and and you know so many consequences of of the virus and the lockdowns and all this going on internationally so there was certainly a lot of a lot of news to follow for somebody who's a you know who's a habitual follower of news and writer of songs about the news there was a lot going on and i I, you know certainly I, I know a lot of uh, songwriters and other artists who do not do well when they're not touring from you know psychologically and of course financially and a lot of people got really depressed and uh, and that, and i have great empathy for them and i'm sure that a lot of the depressed ones were a lot less prolific but i i like being at home and i have i like my kids and and i and i was making money from unemployment so you know i was not depressed and so and i would find de- i'm sure i would find depression to be not helpful for songwriting but mm. if you stay happy you know if you stay have a good life and then then it's a lot easier to take on the you know writing about really depressing subjects which is mostly what i write about
0: <laughs> i um <laughs> yeah it is um it is hard to kind of not get engulfed in all of that i guess when you're taking on you know all that information and writing about some of the kind of horrors that are going on i wanted to talk a little bit about your album take the power back it's a pretty different album to most of your work and it's got kind of a bit of a disposable heroes sort of feel to it what was it like right, making and- that kind of shift to making a hip-hop album it was
2: wonderful working with mike crenshaw it was very new i had no idea what what i was doing but it, but it all came together uh, really easily and, and it could have been a longer album if we had more time when you're doing that kind of music but we, i mean i'm not sure what kind of music we we did but it was definitely i mean some of the tracks that we were laying down involved a lot of music that i had already recorded in in the studio we were in tracks by a, an artist a hip-hop artist from portland and jonathan who
0: had a lot of um, other other kind of backing tracks uh, that that we were working with like once you're using that kind of positive aspect to be able to get music out there is to be able to tour but um you know there's still I know there's lots of aspects of that where you're playing kind of free shows and playing at protests and things like that as well that uh you know is not necessarily just about kind of bringing in more income for your art but I wonder if you talk about, like, I know you spend time mm-hmm. both in in Europe and, and obviously in the US and, um, you know, tell us about some of the protests that you've kind of been a part of there recently and some of the kind of, you know, campaign issues that are happening.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is like definitely for m- most of my touring career, I've always tried to, uh, if, when, if the, whenever there's a big protest going on which was especially like during the course of the global justice movement, like in the late nineties, early noughties, it was, um, I mean, this movement kind of basically still exists, but it was bigger and more international for a while. And it, um, there were always protests going on that were planned around the next IMF or World Bank Summit or the next uh, G20 or G8 or G7 meeting, and different things like that, World, World Trade Organization, different things like that, having a summit, an international summit with lots of leaders. And so there were often protests planned many months in advance. So I tended to, as I still do whenever there's something like that happening, I, I tend to organize tours around the protests. So first I'll, I'll uh, see if they want me to sing at it and then once i have some idea of whether that's the case then i'll just organize a whole tour around it um, which is partly just to be able to get there but also to promote it and so you know and and to be able to do the the free gigs like the protests which are the best gigs to do but you you got to be able to get to europe or wherever they're happening so the in terms of recent years i mean my favorite thing that it is ongoing uh in the past two and a half years which is which is actually um uh not like it's not massive protests like some of the some of the really big ones that that happens that, that have happened that have been probably very interesting in, in different ways but and, and a lot of fun but what's hap- what's been happening for the past two and a half years in england and scotland with a group called palestine action has been i think uh, some of the most heartwarming stuff and they've been uh trespassing onto the factory floors of, uh, of a company called Elbit Systems, which mainly exports uh, uh, arms and ammunition to the Israeli military. And they've been trespassing onto the factory floors with sledgehammers and just smashing everything. And uh, for days and nights, sometimes three days and nights before the police arrest them and take them away. And then whenever the the Crown tries to press charges uh, They uh, and they go to trial, they get found not guilty because under British law, there's this proportionality defense, which does not seem as far as I know to, to work in Australia or in the United States. But in in England, in Ireland, and in New Zealand, this proportionality defense or some variation of it uh, has has worked. And um, in England, there's this law that says war crimes are illegal. And if, if the if a british company is aiding and abetting israeli war crimes that's illegal and uh, even though of course it happens every day uh, but technically it's illegal and so when these folks go into the factory and smash everything with sledgehammers even if they cause millions of dollars worth of damage that proportionately irrelevant compared to the war crimes and so they just get found not guilty so it's just trial after trial and most recently just a few weeks ago and nobody's going to prison so it's a very interesting <laughs> situation yeah that's amazing and very- action
0: yeah 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 it's great to hear I mean I know like you said before there's some of the big kind of protests and movements and things that we might hear about I know like you've um, played at some of the um, protests you know say in the UK around um, Julian Assange and things like that but it's great to hear about some of those kind of actions that you know I think at times activists might be involved in things that have a small amount of people in it and you don't think a lot about it. And obviously that, you know, that action that you're talking about is, is a really amazing one, but it's when you kind of look back on it or someone else talks about an action that might seem small, but, you know, it still has a really big impact or can inspire others as well.
2: I mean, these these actions on the factories in England and Scotland, I think, are so inspiring to many people. And it's no wonder that you will never hear about them from the mainstream uh, Media. I mean, the corporate press, even the Guardian. I mean, it's just not talked about. It's just not mentioned. That they just don't want to give these uh, folks any PR, and that's yeah. that's also been the case with all the Assange protests. I mean, there's been there there's been you know the the don't extradite Assange. Uh, group in london has been you know that's that's where where julian's wife stella is very very much involved as a powerful organizer within that group but that lots of other folks as well and they organize really fantastic events with lots of thousands of people great art artistic events that should get a lot of publicity if the press were really actually covering uh you know things that <laughs> that they should be covering but you know they're they're so often ignored I mean, just a few months ago thousands of people surrounded the houses of parliament in london and completely surrounded them and holding hands in, in support of julian assange and i don't think that even made a, a headline in any of the major news outlets. but mm. there's been trials going on including in Aus- australia recently like um tribunals organized by former prosecutors and all sorts of knowledgeable people around international law and, you know, talking about the, the case of Julian Assange and his ongoing persecution and imprisonment and how crazy that is. But it's a really largely um, bizarrely almost uh, you know not in the media even though of course there's so many journalists who he's worked with you know over decades and who but you get to, you really get to realize how much the journalists actually get to determine what it is they cover because you know which is very little you know their editors tell them what to do and then they you know then they get to put you have an assignment and Cover something, but otherwise, you know, they may collaborate with WikiLeaks on uh, blowing the, the cover on all sorts of war crimes and corruption. But then, when it comes to uh, Assange uh, being, uh, you know, facing 175 years in prison in the United States for blowing uh, the cover on those war crimes, then uh, where where are they? You know, I mean, the, the the journalist federations are there. They're they're very actively in defense of Assange. But those major corporate networks that that uh, WikiLeaks has done so much work with and helped them
0: sell so many papers, and,
2: you know, they're
0: they're really absent. Mm. Well, I think one of the issues that the media, certainly in Australia, has been covering recently is uh, the new military pact of the AUKUS uh, agreement between Australia, US and and UK. And, you know, something that was announced uh, a fair while ago now. But over the last couple of weeks, we've seen, um, you know, a little bit more of the kind of detail come out. And, you know, I think it's really concerning for obviously for activists in Australia as a country kind of continues to move further into being a regional military power and helping, you know, strategically to position itself against Russia and China and uh, you know, and part of those other kind yeah. of um the Quad and, you know, um Five Eyes and and all of those kind of acts that Australia wants to be a part of. I wonder if you tell us a little bit about, you know, if if any kind of like perspective that has been from, you know, the US or or the UK when you've been there about um, this deal and and obviously it's it's obviously a much bigger kind of deal I think for Australia than those other um, states but yeah what what what's the kind of perspective been like there
2: well I mean um, as far as this sub deal goes I think it'd be fair to say it's it's not even on the radar um, in the United States I mean it makes the news uh, for, for especially on like you know networks that, that cover Australia. On a regular basis, like BBC, it's um, it's something you hear about. And of course, when, when France uh, publicly, uh, you know, condemned Australia for breaking the deal of subs, that, that was also you know the subs that were that were going to be coming from France, that was international news because you know the French uh, government made sure. That it would be because I mean, they are very public about that. But um, but generally, um, I mean, I would say um, to put this in perspective in terms of what's been going on in the United States um, since um, really uh, quite, for quite a while now. Um, the any any semblance of an anti-war movement or an anti-militarism movement or any kind of uh, movement of people who are you know calling for a you know massive reductions in military spending and and to U.S. having military bases all over the world and. And the U.S., a constant project of surrounding uh, and intimidating and threatening uh, Russia and China and so many other countries around the world. And, of course, constantly invading one country after another. And I mean, this is the uh, United States is an empire and it has been for a very long time. And and it's uh, you know, this is part of this process of, of the U.S. continually consolidating its global hegemonic uh, plans. And Australia is, has been a... Uh, Well, with the exception of Gough Whitlam's short-lived government, Australia has been a willing partner in that imperial project for a very long time. You know, since Australia, of course, sent thousands of troops to Vietnam, and etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's been very much a part of the American imperial project for a long time. But um, this uh, opposition to the American imperial project in the U.S. is at an all-time low, as far as I can tell. You know, it's uh, it's it's a really scary and, and uh, a very alarming situation to have uh, such a small peace movement happening at a time when the U.S. is sending tens of billions of dollars of military aid to Ukraine and, of course, continuing to send massive military aid to all sorts of all sorts of different countries that are engaged in uh, in, in activities that don't resemble at all uh, retaliating against a bigger invader like in Ukraine. You know, like uh, mostly our the recipients of U.S. military aid are apartheid states like Israel or dictatorships like Saudi Arabia. You know, this is uh this is what the U.S. does. And and it's really uh, alarming to see how little opposition there is. Uh, not just recently, but since 2005 or so, really.
0: Mm. I mean, I think the the Australian left is really struggling to be able to sustain a kind of active movement as well, not just a peace movement. But I think, you know, outside of perhaps, you know, kind of climate issues, most of the sort of political um, space is really occupied by kind of identity sort of politics over the last little while. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of really at the expense of things like class politics and, you know, looking at, um, you know, capitalism, I guess, as a whole, even, and, and things like the, um, you know, military industrial complex and all of those kind of things. So yeah, it is, yeah. Um, it is a, a struggle that I think is really hard to kind of find a way out of at the moment. And I think both for, you know, Australia and the US, particularly with, um, you know, democratic and, and labor governments as well, it can be quite difficult, or, you know, it can be more difficult to kind of have that sort of campaigning where people don't have the, um, you know, hate figure like Trump and Morrison to um, get outraged at. And, you know, kind of things sort of die out of the news a little bit. So yeah, it's it's kind of a tricky space that we're kind of in a cycle of at the moment. But I think, you know, the protests that, um, you know, those kind of actions that you're talking about earlier, and I think, you know, there is a lot of kind of still political activism in in Europe, obviously, and, and many other parts of the world that we should be looking for inspiration for
2: i totally agree
0: i mean it is um it, it, yeah it's, it's really always
2: really really good for people to uh know that this is this even when there is a prevalent situation like um you know for so long a lack of any kind of real coherent peace movement in in the united states and i you know i'd say you know as well in australia uh, it's good to know that this is not universal and and that there are lots of other countries where there's a lot of people who are uh, much more uh you know paying attention to what's going on and and uh or at least um you know in many cases they have a better media they've uh, often m- better democracies there's more parties involved i mean american democracy really is very primitive and very corrupt and, and very uh you know and our whole information ecosystem is extremely prone to billionaires and their opinions and in other countries where they have uh, more viable public media multi-party democracy institutions like a, a real labor movement and, you know that kind of thing it, it the whole situation is is, is quite different although um, when it comes to uh, anti-militarism uh, I find um, definitely in the past year uh, it's pretty scary uh, situation in in Europe as well. I mean, in terms of the left, and in terms of the number of people who are embracing a very simplified version of the the, the war in, between Russia and Ukraine, and the history of NATO and the history of the Soviet Union. I mean, it's uh, there's an extremely simplified, ahistorical version of reality that has become, uh, uh, you know, uh, very prevalent all over Europe as well as the United States and, uh, and quite certain Australia. Australia as well. It's um, there's more sort of um, you. you, you it, there used to be real distinction between listening to French media as opposed to German media as opposed to British or American media. There used to be even though there was a lot of consensus on a lot of major ideas, uh, there were differences that were notable. Pretty much within a few minutes of listening to uh, you know a, a, a serious French or German broadcast compared to with the perspective you'd often get on, on British or American uh, broad. But in the past year, it's been uh, just uh, very one-sided. Rhetoric is is the norm, and and stating opinions as if they are facts is now the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um it's really scary because I think I don't think it's uh and and I you know I shouldn't even need to say um you know I, I don't need to but I will anyway I you know I shouldn't need to say that you know because I'm extremely critical of U.S. foreign policy and of the lack of a response to it uh, in Europe and, and North America and elsewhere in terms of NATO and all that. i You know I shouldn't need to say that I d- I am not. Uh, Suggesting that um, the Russian government is uh, is not at fault in so many ways here, or that Putin is an angel or anything like that, uh, you know that that's not the point. That's not the point for almost anybody I know who's critical of NATO and the U.S. Uh, policies in this war. But uh, it really doesn't take um, a genius to see that um, the brinksmanship that Biden and uh, company is engaging in has no potential rational and Game and uh, and and the, and it's totally insane. Therefore, and uh, it, and it can't be it can't be the way forward. And this uh, this idea of just endlessly sending arms uh, to just so that the Ukrainian the men of Ukraine can be the cannon fighter for a, for a broader conflict. And it's um, that that could at any point uh, become a much broader um, a conflict. You know, with the
0: drop of a hat, mm. it's, uh, we're playing playing with the world here. It's been great chatting to you today. I'm sure we could continue to keep chatting about this for a long time and i hope we can um have a chat while you're in melbourne but um yeah it's really great to hear from you and you know it's it's um a great to be able to hear perspective of yourself kind of obviously been to australia a lot and know a lot about the kind of politics here but you know hearing about some of the things in the us and and europe as well it's great to have some of that international flavor on our local community radio station here at 3cr yeah good well it's always great talking to you thanks dave and I'll, i'll chat to you soon thank you james you've been listening to another episode of stick together i've been your host james brennan thanks so much to david rovix for the music and for the chat in today's show if you want to catch up on any previous episodes head over to the 3cr website or just wherever you normally listen to podcasts if you want to get in touch with us uh the producers of the show head over to stick together 3cr at gmail.com until next time stick together
1: Six was a matter of a password and a couple of clicks. To safely send files and protect the source while sharing all the important bits, of course. With a database that's searchable all around the earth, that exposed the rich and powerful, showed us what they're worth, showed us the corrupt ways they run affairs. From Iceland Indies to almost everywhere Making clothes transparent On emperors all round Everywhere that whistleblowers Are to be found WikiLeaks (inaudible) was too effective It It had to be beaten out Let there be no doubt Now they want to kill the messenger While most of us stand by Just waiting for this prisoner to die Ellsberg blew the whistle on war crimes he called out for someone to step up this time with WikiLeaks assistance when Chelsea Manning did on torture and mass murder she blew the lid and the war on WikiLeaks went into overdrive as the authorities tried hard to make sure it couldn't survive now they want to kill the messenger while most of us stand by Just waiting for this prisoner to die Charges plucked from history, the espionage act Being used against Assange under the extradition pact Not just Republican war criminals, but Democrats too Had it out for him now for telling what he knew when the DNC rigged the race got Clinton the nomination put Sanders in his place now they want to kill the messenger while most of us stand by just waiting for this prisoner to die now they'll call him a foreign agent Say he should be shot They'll call him a narcissist Whatever defamation they got They'll say he's not a journalist Unlike the ones in Moscow Reporting on the criminals That we allow Reporters to report on
0: They give them the Nobel While this Australian
1: is Caged and sent to hell want to kill the messenger while most of us stand by just waiting for this prisoner to die now they want to kill the messenger while most of us stand by just waiting for this prisoner to die